Assalamualaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Keisha A. Rivers, a former educator, now full-time business person, consultant, speaking and writing and doing things. I've checked out some of her talks, people. She got a YouTube channel. She's doing it all. And I wanted to have her on to share her journey. We're going to talk a lot about change and mindset, the work that her company uh, does. And hopefully you will gain a lot of gems uh, that will help you level up in your own life as well as your consulting business. So for those who'll be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify, will you please introduce yourself, Keisha? Well, thank you so much for having me, Dr. Will. Um, I always appreciate the opportunity to share my journey so that other people may not have to go through the hard knocks that I did. Um, but I am the president and founder um, and chief outcome facilitator of the CARS Group where we facilitate outcomes by equipping people to manage and embrace change. I have been an uh, entrepreneur for 14 and a half years, and I absolutely love what I do because to me it is just another step and another way of, um, of teaching and educating. Um, this time I have more of an impact mm -hmm. because instead of being – only limited to the kids that are in my class. Now I work with uh, teachers, I work with companies, organizations, nonprofits, school districts. Um, so I look at it in terms of that ripple effect. You know, if I work with a teacher with a school system and then each one of those teachers has 20 to 25 kids, then my impact has been um, expounded and expanded tremendously. So you are the founder of the Cars Group, as you mentioned. What is the story behind you creating the company? And give us a peek into what you do. Well, I started the company um, initially. I, I was an educator. I'd moved out of the classroom. And I was actually a general manager of a minor league soccer franchise, and um, which is a whole other story <laughs> on how I got into that. Um, but I really started with them because they needed someone to consult with them on setting up an internship program. And so I started talking to them about that. And I, I was the coordinator for the internship program. And, um, and then I saw some other things that they needed to do differently within the organization. And I kind of moved up into being the GM. And it got to the point where it was too much. Um, there was a lot of travel. Um, I was the only woman in a male-dominated um, you know, organization and, and league. And so um, when I, I resigned, there were three different, comp three different teams in different areas who all were kind of vying to hire me. And I lived in New Orleans at the time. I didn't want to relocate. So I decided instead of picking one, I just started a consulting business and I worked with all three. So, um, so that, that was my first foray into becoming an entrepreneur it was because I did not want to move um, and so I talked to the three teams and one of them definitely wanted someone on site the other two agreed to become my clients and I would go 
you know, I was remote before remote was a thing. This was, you know, 14 and a half years ago. So I was doing conference calls and they would fly me out for a week at a time and, um, and I would work with them. But uh, the work that I do has evolved into um, working with people on identifying what their vision of success is and what that looks like, and then walking with them to create the steps, the action plans, um, doing any necessary training or development that comes with that to prepare them for that, and then looking at assessment and evaluation. So a lot of the same things that I did as an educator, where you outline your goals, um, you know, based on the curriculum, and then you have to backtrack and figure out what are what skill sets do they already need? Do they already have? What skill sets do they need? How do I walk them through developing them to be able to walk on their own with this? So it's the same exact thing. You know, I, I tell people once an educator, always an educator. Mm-hmm. So I um, and and my focus on equipping people to manage change has come about because inevitably whenever you have people who need to go through a major shift within their organization or their company, um, a lot of times they're resistant to change. So I have to work with them on their mindset and, and, and really start cultivating a learning organization where they're open to, I may not know how to do this exactly, but I'm willing to learn and to be vulnerable and go through the process. So I'm pretty much teaching adults <laughs> the same way I was doing my first graders um, in terms of just setting up that whole learning collaborative um, community. So what drives you and what is it about mindset that gets you going? What really drives me is um, when I was in college, I was a marketing major um, is where I started. And in my junior year, I took an elective course in teaching children's literature. And we had to teach these small group of six-year-olds Um, you know, a children's story. And I still remember my book was The Stinky Cheese Man, which was, you know, a a take on on the the regular children's bedtime stories. And I had this little group of kids and I was teaching them something. And I got that aha moment where they went, oh, now I get it. And that has always driven me because I still get that with adults. I still get that with, with companies and organizations. When you see people get to that point where they say, oh, now I get it. You know, the light bulb comes on. They've shifted the way that they're thinking about things and seeing things. And so that's why I always look at mindset first, because especially with adults, if I don't address the way they think about something, the way they're processing it, their perspective, what they think about what they can do or cannot do, then we're not going anywhere. They're, they're not going to move forward. They're not going to adapt. They're not going to adopt any of the new things I'm trying to teach them. And so we end up repeating that cycle of failure. So mindset, you know, success begins and ends in the mind. If you don't make up your mind that I can do this, or this is what I'm equipped to do, or I'm prepared for this, um, then you're going to fall by the wayside. Mm. So this is a different time uh, Mm -hmm. where we're living in. I definitely never foresaw this happening in my life, us living through a pandemic and life as we know it has changed. And, you know, people are talking about, sort of the new normal or what will life look like even when we're able to sort of go back outside and mingle again. 
you were living in New Orleans, which is my favorite city. I live in Hattiesburg, so I'm two hours away. It's my most favorite U.S. city uh, that I've been to. Uh, you were living in New Orleans during Katrina. Based upon your experiences, how are you making sense of what is happening now? Well, really, Katrina to me is a microcosm of the widespread, the global change that we're seeing now. Because with Katrina, we had some warning because, you know, you live in New Orleans and, and, you know, any place in the Gulf, you know about hurricanes and every year there's always a big one or every couple of years. And almost a year to the date before we had had Hurricane George, which was a precursor. It was a warning. It showed us what we were not capable and not equipped to do. There's been a lot of talk now about how there were warnings about this before, you know, this is popping up in, in China. You know, there are certain people that are in charge of monitoring all of this and saying, this is what we need to look out for. And if you look at what happened with Katrina, we got caught with our pants down. We were not prepared for the amount of people that needed assistance. We were not prepared for the way the economy was affected in terms of people shut, you know, things shutting down. We were not prepared for the devastation and the ripple effect of how that impacted everything because where i lived it was in the upper ninth ward which was not too far away from downtown you know french quarter and all of that and so while the french quarter did not sustain any damage our area was completely flooded there was 15 feet of water in my house um everything was it was just underwater completely and so you have this one area that seems to be intact but everybody around it was impacted negatively. With this, with the pandemic, you have pockets of areas that are impacted, but the ripple effect is felt. Airlines, anyone who works in the airline industry right now is looking at whether or not they're going to have a job and if this is going to rebound. You're looking at hospitals. They're having a, they're being inundated in all of the systems that they have, which proves that they're not equipped for something widespread. All of that is being shown now. You're looking at, um, at companies now that are having to make the decision that we're going to have to go to 100% remote workforce who hadn't considered that before. And now we're looking and we're scrambling for tools and, and things that are going to help us with that. Schools are now having to completely reinvent the way they're educating kids because for some people, they can do it online. For others, they don't have that type of access. So now you're seeing an unprecedented amount of collaboration between for-profit businesses, community organizations, schools, parents, you know, that whole, it takes a village notion where we, you know, as educators, we fought for more parental involvement. Now everybody's having to get involved. So to me, New Orleans was, was a test run because the things that, we, that I saw in New Orleans, it's just multiplied now and we didn't really learn the lessons from new orleans and hurricane katrina and so as a result we're having to adjust to that now and so one of the things that i talk to people a lot when i'm on panels or or speaking and i tell them you have to adjust you have to learn how to adjust to change mm -hmm. it's this whole thing of everybody saying well when we can go back to normal there there is no back to normal. Everything is forever changed. 
after Katrina, they went quote unquote back to normal with having Mardi Gras and, and bringing people back and rebuilding. But New Orleans is not the same. You can never go back. You can only learn from where you, what, you've, what you've gone through and move forward. So I think we're probably asking the wrong questions when we're talking about going back to normal. Instead, it's what do we want our new normal to look like? And really focusing on creating that new that we're going to have to adjust and adapt to. Mm. So how can people go about sort of changing the relationship they have with themselves and go about sort of creating the work the life, the dream that they have for themselves? Well, I always call it, I say we have to start with our vision. And when we start with a vision, because if you don't see anything different, if you don't believe there's anything different, if you don't have any examples of anything different, it's hard for you to make that shift. So I always start with an exercise I call my mind movie of success. And I tell people, I said, imagine Oprah, Today Show, you know, good morning, America, whomever is your, you know, if you were being featured, that would be your go-to show or person. So imagine Oprah in the own network said they found out about you and you were operating at the pinnacle of success, whatever that looks like to you. And they're going to send a camera crew to follow you around from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep at night. What will they see? And so you go through this whole thing of visualizing yourself. If from the moment I wake up, where am I waking up? What kind of house am I living in? Is there anybody there with me? Where's my house located? What do I do? What's my morning routine? You know, and then when I talk about work, you know, am I going to work in my own business? Am I working with somebody else? You know, do I have people that are working for me? Am I part of a team? You know, where do I work? When I leave to go to the office, do I leave? Do I go in my home office? Do I drive? Do I fly somewhere? If I'm working with a nonprofit or with a school, who are the people that are around me? What type of impact am I making? And all of these questions I asked them because I said, you're operating at the pinnacle of your definition of success. And that I think is the hardest thing for people to grasp because so often we create our versions of success based on what other people say success looks like. You have to have a certain car, you have to have a certain job, you have to be making a certain amount of money. Success is an internal determination that has external um, ramifications. It's, it's something that unless I am happy and content with where I am and who I am internally, that's going to manifest itself in my life. So my first thing is you have to have your own vision of success. What does that day in your life look like? And when you start wrapping your mind around what this looks like and what it looks like for me to be there, and I tell them, write it out like a script, first person. I get up, I do this, I speak to this person. I'm you know, having these kind of conversations. How do you feel? What do you eat? You know, What do you think about? How many times do you laugh during the day? Like anything that's important to you. And I tell them the one caveat, there are no limitations, no money issues, no travel issues, no health issues, nothing. There are no limitations in this vision. And so mm. when you start with that and there's no limitations on your mind and on your thinking 
and you write out what that vision looks like, then the only question you ask is what is needed to make that happen? Not what do I need to do? Not how much money I need, not how many, what degrees I need or anything like that. Just what is needed to make that happen? And you ask yourself that question for each piece of that vision. So when it comes to the home life, what's needed to make that happen? When it comes to the business or the professional life, what's needed to make that happen? When it comes to the physical and the spiritual and the emotional, what's needed to make that happen? When it comes to the financial, what's needed to make that happen? And then the things that you list, that's your action plan. Those are the goals that you set for yourself. Those are the things that you need to research, that you need to do, you know, the people, types of people you need to connect to. That becomes your plan but it has to start with that vision and your mind has to be wrapped around the fact that the only limitation I have is in what I believe. That's why mindset is so, is so key. Because if you tell someone they can't, they're not going to figure out a way to do it. If I tell you, you have all the support in the world, there's a blank check. You can get whatever you want. Oh, psh, I can do this now. <laughs> but other than that, we come, I've, I've had conversations with people and before you get the first sentence out, oh, well, we can't do it like that because, you know, I know you've had those conversations, especially when you're talking to educate. Oh, we can't do that because this, oh, we have these limitations. Oh, in this situation right now, this pandemic, I didn't hear anybody saying, oh, we can't do. They said we have to figure out a way to get it done. Completely different mindset. And now you're seeing an unprecedented amount of collaborations and people donating things and they're making it happen because there's not a mindset of we can't do it that way. Hmm. So how does an individual get to see themselves bigger? Cause I just, I love what you, what you said, but in, in my working with young people, I've, also, I've often tell people that, there is no achievement gap. There's a hope gap. Yes. Right. So unless a student has an IEP ruling that mm -hmm. says, okay, these are certain deficiencies they have, you know, whether it be dyslexia or uh, other learning, uh, I don't want to say disorders, but other, other things that sort of get in the way of a student understanding material at, a, at mm -hmm. intervals that we may quote unquote normally associate with right. age ranges right students are capable in my opinion of just simply doing the work mm -hmm. what i have found that when you come from certain neighborhoods or certain social economic communities and you only see what you see mm -hmm. school may not be a priority for you because you're not thinking about becoming a CEO. You're not thinking about becoming an NBA owner. You're not thinking about becoming a world-class surgeon because you don't see that around you. Therefore, right. your path to what may be considered success or your path of getting out of there may be, well, I can be a rapper or mm -hmm. I can be a ball player or, or you know, maybe I, I hit the street and I do X, Y, Z. Because again, this is what they see as paths being. Mm -hmm. And so when you are talking to individuals, you are working to individuals and their life script 
tells them, I can only be, I can only do. Mm-hmm. How do they get out of that to see their possible dream, to dream bigger, to see themselves beyond their person, present circumstances so they can begin to actually visualize that vision you spoke of? And it's interesting that you say that because I, the philosophies that I use in my company with you know, school districts and adults and companies are the things I started with my kids. When I taught first grade, when I taught special ed mild moderate, when I taught, you know, aside from the first two years um, of my teaching career, I always taught in inner city. All my student teaching was done in, in North Philly and in Philadelphia where we had drive-by drills where they sounded the horn and you, you dropped to the pavement because there was a drive-by in the neighborhood. So I get it about these kids not seeing anything remotely, you know, close to what they think they can be. That was back then before the internet, before we had, you know, all these reality TV shows and, and, you know, people on Instagram and everything else, you know, kind of showing their lives. Now these kids have more access to seeing how the other side lives than they did. And then we did when, when we were growing up because we could only see what was around the corner and what was in front of us. These kids go on their smartphone, they go on the TV, they go on the internet, and they see all these other people and, have, can, and, and, and are able to see the behind the scenes, not just the athlete that's on the floor, but LeBron is talking about his home life and what's going on with his kids. He's you know, videotaping what's going on at home. So they can see that differently. What I found, and and this is not just for kids, but it's also for adults, because you have some adults that have gone through this self-fulfilling prophecy of saying, well, because this is where I grew up or because these are the mistakes I made, then this is as far as I can go. And with all of them, the key comes when you have to get them to understand that any roadblocks they may have, any limitations they may see, it's not based on ability. It's not based on test scores. It's not based on anybody else's definition of what success looks like, which is why I tell people, you have so many kids now that are on the autism scale. We have never even seen. It's like everybody needs an IEP now because there is, there is no such thing as the traditional normal because since our, our society has changed, what our kids are exposed to has changed. And therefore, a lot of the testing that we're doing is based on what was then. But now we've got kids that have been exposed to so much more and they have different ways of learning now. You have kids that spend most of their time in front of a screen. So that, that cognitive developmental ability changes based on their experience. Kids don't go out and play like they used to with us. So when we were younger, you go outside until the streetlights come on. Now, these kids never see outside <laughs> unless they're getting in a car or they're going somewhere. So it's, it's a matter of getting them to move past that preconceived limitation and telling them, just like I say, there is no definition of success. You define success. And for most people, they are not used to tapping into that power. I'm not gonna say be empowered because I don't think that someone else can give you power. I think you have power within you and it's up to someone to maybe remind you of who you are 
or help you to discover and tap into that. But my, when I started doing this with kids who were, you know, in neighborhoods where they'd never seen grass because, you know, aside from a little patch, because they were living in real houses, their, their playgrounds were blacktops that were paved with the barbed wire up top. They'd never even understood what it meant to go to college because they'd never found, they'd never seen anybody like that. When I did my student teaching my senior year in college, I had kids in my fifth grade class. They were astounded at the fact that I was in my 20s and I did not have kids and I was in college. What does that look like? What do you do? Where do you live? What do you mean you don't have kids? Why are you here? You, you lived in South Carolina? Where is that? I mean, they had no idea. So it's about exposure. And I took three of them to my college graduation. They'd never even been. They had no idea that was even a possibility. Back then, I had to take them physically there so they could see it. Now we have so many other ways to connect our kids and our adults with possibilities. You can go online and see people living that life. And it's not just the type that is promoted or, or polished, you know, for public consumption. It's the real stuff. So I think that the key to it is we have to shift that internal dialogue. We have to shift that thinking from I can't to why can't I? You know, I have one of my girlfriends, she has twin sons that are, I think they're about to turn 17. And they're like, we don't want to go to college and get a job. We want to start our own businesses. One of them is a whiz online. So he wants to build websites and start his own. He's got a website already, not even out of high school. Another one is saying, you know what? I've noticed that people do a lot of snacking and everything, and I'm kind of looking at this. I want to have my own route where I, I have these snack machines. And they're looking into that. They're not even out of school yet. But it's a matter of seeing that there's potential and possibilities. She didn't take them to any business classes or anything like that. They went online, and they started seeing that there's other things that they could possibly do. So it's a matter of being open to that, not closed off to it. Mm -hmm. So let's dive deeper into the work you do with the CARS group. Mm -hmm. What are some of the services you offer? You know, walk us through some of your workshops. Well, I have a number of things. A lot of what I do um, revolves around change and mindset. Um, I focus on three main areas, engagement, um, learning and leadership. And so a lot of what I do is getting people to connect, um, to create uh, communities that are supportive, to create places where they can show up authentically and fully. And with the pandemic going on, there's no line separating work and home anymore because a lot of people are working remotely um, with the stay-at-home orders, we're having to navigate work life and home life, especially because kids are at home now, spouses are at home. Some people may have, you know, gotten laid off temporarily. Some people are having to work remotely. Um, I was chatting with this young lady who she felt like she was in a toxic work environment before all of this happened. And now that they're working remotely, her manager is requiring everybody to call in via Zoom and have their video on 
And she said, I don't feel comfortable letting you into my house. And so now we're trying to figure out how does she maintain that separation? Because for her coming home was a escape. And now she feels like they're intruding. So a lot of what I do is I help people to reset their thinking on what's possible. You know, how do we set up environments that can be supportive for you so that you can show up fully and authentically? How do we tap into your gifts and your talents and your abilities for you to be able to create a way of doing this job or being in this organization or making an impact that is more in line with who you are at your core? Um, I work with organizations to figure out ways to support their people, whether it's teachers or employees. Um, I work with a lot of management teams on how can they create a way for their people to be more involved in the process and not feel as if they're being told what to do all the time, but they're starting to step up to guide what happens. So um, I do a lot of, of development work around what I call leading from within where it's not just a top down, but it's shared decision-making. Um, how do we solve these problems and create solutions? How do we share the responsibility? How do we support each other? Um, how do we create a way for everyone to learn and grow and develop and feel like every year there's something new mm -hmm. that they have to do that's challenging them because you know, I've seen people that have been in the same position doing the same exact thing for years and they get into this rut and then they reach a certain time when they feel like, okay, now what? You know, I, I wasted my life. Um, so how do we create these growing, learning, um, supportive organizations where it's the whole person? You know, if I've got, if I'm taking care of my elderly parents or I've got you know, kids that have learning um, issues that I need to address, or, you know, I've got some other issues where I want to go back to school or I want to enhance myself, you know, how can we structure this to make, to support you in this? So it's actually interesting because a lot of the things that I did when I was a leader in the school and helping to set up collaborative learning environments, I'm doing the same thing with corporate and helping them to set up, you know, employee resource groups that will provide support and other ways of collaborating and, and ways of, you know, still achieving that bottom line, but at the same time, making sure their people are developing at the same time. So in this series of videos that you have on YouTube and I've been watching and uh, by the way, people go check out the YouTube channel. I have a link in the show notes for you to go, but you talked about how this pandemic has changed the workplace. So you've, uh, have, have talked about alluded to it in this interview, but when we're looking at how it has shifted in the economy, because I know a lot of people who they're on the road 50 weeks out of the year, their bread and butter is speaking and, presenting at physical conferences and some conferences have adapted and have said, Hey, we're going to shift our, this year's conference online. And so those speakers will still be able to get that check. But for those others, you know, they're talking on Twitter and other places. They're saying, Hey, you know, I had, when I mapped out my, my uh, finances for this year, 
you know, these five gigs were part of my, of this income that I was going to get in. Now they're gone. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm not necessarily mourning the event, but I am mourning my check not coming in. How can, you know, when we are looking at this and we're looking how those people who are able to work from home because their work can be done within, within a digital platform, whether it be, uh, using some sort of enterprise software or Zoom or Google to be able to have these virtual meetings, we're seeing people and how this economy is, is adapting. And I'm just wondering, and what I want you to speak on is the pivot mm -hmm. and what is needed to make that digital leap so that you can actually thrive from being able to work on any internet connected device. Well, and it's interesting that you say that because um, I had a, a huge percentage, even though I've been virtual for 14 and a half years, I have a whole lot of clients who aren't. And so I would travel a lot. And I had, that was one of those people I had my, my calendar mapped out. I was speaking at this conference. I was doing it in, on, you know, in-person training at this event, you know, this venue and all of that. And overnight, literally companies one by one kept saying, oh, you know what, for the safety of our employees, we're going to limit travel. Oh, we're going to cancel that event. Oh, we're going to postpone this one. Oh, in the course of one day, I had six events get canceled. Six. And I was like, you, I was budgeting like, ooh, that, mm, that's going to hurt. <laughs> but what I found is that I didn't look at what I couldn't do. I looked at what I could do. So the pivot is we've all got the internet. Now everybody's online. So YouTube channel, free to set up. If you have a cell phone, put that cell phone on video and record two to three minute short clips of tips and strategies or just insights. You can stay, if you don't want to go through starting a podcast and having to go through, you know, having the show consistently like that, um, which not everybody does. I've had a podcast for a year and a half now. And, and so it's 30 minutes. It was once a week. Now, because of demand, I've bumped it to twice a week. So that's another platform. My podcast episodes are always on my YouTube channel. Video, social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I have all of those accounts, but I use them differently. It's about being strategic. So first thing is, what do you have to offer? Second thing is, who needs you? And it cannot be something that is only for right now. My message about facilitating outcomes by equipping people to embrace and manage change is not just relevant today in the pandemic. It's more relevant because people are trying to figure out how to pivot. But any other time, if you're moving, if you're changing jobs, if you are, if your company is merging with someone else, or if there's a divesture, or if they are laying off, or if they've decided to ramp up a new product, or they're launching something new, or they're changing their offerings. They have a, turn, a lot of turnover in staff. There's always change. So what I talk about is relevant regardless. So setting up a YouTube channel is free. Go do that like now. The other thing when it comes to graphics and you know how everybody says, well, I have to have a website and I have their graphics and all of that other kind of stuff. You can go to, um, there's a company called Strikingly. 
$20 a month, you can have three different websites hosted. You can go to Weebly, you can get a free website. All that is a, a landing page. Update your, your LinkedIn profile. Post articles, a thousand words or less. Post articles on Medium, on LinkedIn. Establish yourself as the go-to person. But you first have to understand, you have to define what you have to offer and then who needs it. What pain points am I speaking to? What problem am I solving? What solution am I providing? Because if you're not providing a solution, I don't care what you're saying. I don't care how, how well it is presented. I don't care how, how well it is you know, produced. I don't wanna listen. And I tell people all the time, I, my videos are done with my cell phone. I may do stuff with my laptop, but because I like to be out and about, flip my cell phone on, turn it on, record something. That's why I really rarely do lives because if I go live on Facebook, by the time people come in, I'm already done saying what I got to do and you can watch the video. <laughs> but you have to outline what it is you have to offer and who, what problem you're solving and who you're solving it to. For those are your two main two main questions you have to answer. Mm. That's all right. So before we go, what are some of the steps that people should take to get themselves out of that loop of I'm going to start that podcast, I'm going to get that graduate degree, oh, I'm going to start this consulting gig, I'm going to write this book, I'm going to do you know, better with my health. I'm going to reach out for my family. All of these things that they want to do that they keep talking about. They keep telling people they're going to do. They keep thinking about it, but they never get to doing it. Yeah. I wrote a, um, I wrote an article called, is it real change or just show and tell? And um, in first grade, my kids love show and tell. You bring something to school that is valuable to you and you show it to everybody else and you talk about it and everything else, but nobody gets to touch it. Nobody gets to see how wonderful it is. They just got to take your word for it. So a lot of people who keep talking about this, it's like show and tell. You're <laughs> just holding it up and waving it around. But I always tell people, when you're talking about things that you want to do or you hope to do or you wish you could do, there's, there's one key differentiator. When you make a decision, you honor that decision with action. If you have not made a decision, meaning you have made up in your mind and said, this is it, you haven't made a decision. You're expressing an opinion. You're emotional. You're telling me a wish or a hope or what you think you could do, but you haven't made a decision. Every single decision is honored with some type of action. So if you're saying, I'm going to write my book, okay, what are you going to do about it? That's my number one question. What are you doing about it? What action are you taking that's going to honor that decision? When I decided that I was going to start my own business, it wasn't a, you know what, I can't deal with this anymore, so I'm going to do it next week or next year. It was a, you know what, I'm out. I can't. You know, I handed them the keys and said, I quit, I resign, effective immediately, not two weeks, just now. And on the ride home, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do to make money? Because I have bills to pay. When I decided I was going to write a book, I researched, I found out that I could self-publish on Amazon. I outlined my book. I typed it all up. I had a, a, a draft and a manuscript uploaded by the end of that weekend. 
when you make a decision, you honor that decision with action. When I said I wanted to go back to grad school, I did my research, I applied, I set up the appointment, I went through steps and said, these are the first five things that I'm gonna do within the next five days. And I always tell people, it doesn't take a huge amount of effort. Pick one thing where you can spend, if you spend 15 minutes a day, just 15 minutes a day doing something towards a decision that you made, you will make more progress than you would if you set a goal and say, okay, in the next two months or in the summer or next week or in two weeks or next year, why you gotta wait till then? There's a series of small little steps that you can take 15 minutes a day. That's all it takes. So break down your big goals into 15 minute steps. I'm only gonna do one thing for 15 minutes. You'd be surprised at how much progress you make. Mm. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You are welcome. Now people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode will be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify. I need you to subscribe, follow, it's cool to leave the stars, people, but I need you to leave me some reviews because I'm trying to be found and I'm trying to get Oprah on the show and I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Keisha A. Rivers of the Cars Group for coming on and dropping so many gems. And I'd like to thank you for checking out the Dr. Will Show, the mobile university for entrepreneurs. As always, people, invest in you. ADU, peace.